today. Norna, will you let Lee know that her phone fell out of her pocket and it's in here? You have the opportunity. I'll let her panic. You know what? I'll text her. There you go. (laughs) Perfect. I love it. I love it. Uh, Joining us now from Bring Me the News, Dane Moore. Hi, Dane. Hey, George. What's up, man? Good to talk to you. Uh, You cover the Wolves. You've also got your own podcast as well. I follow you on Twitter. Hold on. I'm going to look up your Twitter account. I really should have had it in my notes. Dane Moore. I'm guessing you're at Dane Moore. You're at Dane Moore NBA. NBA, So very close. What are you going to do if you transition out of the NBA? What if you get demoted to the G League? Then what? (laughs) Well then we'll then we'll switch it to Dane Moore G League. G League, I, I guess. Well, they gotta see if that's available. <laughs> you might, you might want to just get it now, just in case, and plan for your own demotion, so nobody else comes exactly. in and swoops it away from you. That might be that might be. Hey, I cover the Wolves, man. I don't know demotion. That's uh, the Wolves been better this year, right? I've already I feel like I've already done my demotion, right? <laughs> well, up until this year, yeah, you kind of had. Yeah, but this year, yeah. this year has had genuinely thrilling moments throughout the Wolf season. I think going all the way back to like Game Four in Milwaukee, that's you know that was a pivotal a pivotal win that suggested at things to come for the Wolves. And on balance, this has been a very entertaining team that's won a lot of the. Granted, a lot of their wins have come against teams that haven't been great or have been down or been injured or whatever, but those are, those are games they were losing before. So I think on balance, it's been a very fun season to follow. Well, yeah, it doesn't matter who you get your wins against. I mean, to have 42 wins in 74 games, you're not only beating up the, the terrible teams in the league. So, yeah. I, I mean, I think, I think there's a – I mean, have they gotten a little bit lucky with injuries a few times here and there? Yeah. But they're 10 games over 500. So you're absolutely right. Like, this is the most intriguing this team has been. I mean, 20 maybe years. In, maybe, maybe in 20 years, because it's not 17, 18. I mean, that, that's the biggest thing I noticed the difference in is okay, we got about the same record as the Tibbs and Jimmy year, but the environment is just completely different. And in the stadium with the fans, I just feel like on Twitter, everyone is just much more connected yeah. to this group, which makes it a very different experience. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, let's talk about the Phoenix game. Sure. It was frustrating because if the Wolves had just m- made their plays at the rim, I think they would have won this game. And even though the final score was, I don't know, it was like 10, 12-point margin, there was just so many plays at the rim that they didn't finish, and I, I felt like that ended up tilting what at that what was a seesaw game for most of three quarters into one that ultimately led to a blowout. Not a blowout, but a one-sided yeah. game. Yeah, I felt that. I mean, that was Anthony Edwards missed four shots at the rim in that game, Yeah, uh, which is obviously a, you know, it's this whole open question with him of like, okay, how – how good is me? Actually, he's telling mm-hmm. us after every game in the post-game press conferences, I'm fine, I'm fine. But then you watch him go to the basket, and he's not finishing like he was at the beginning of the year. And then you got Chris Finch saying, I'd like to see him dunk it. So, yeah. totally, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, there was six, eight points just kind of left on the board there. It only was a nine-point game. So, so I think I think in that Phoenix game, for sure, Ant's not making him at the rim. And then also, I mean, Carl was in foul trouble. He had to, yeah. he had to come out in the third quarter and the fourth quarter, like when the game was the game, they were winning both times when he picked up his fourth foul. And then when he picked up his fifth foul, you know, I mean, 
it's little things. That's the difference in being a 42 win team versus like a 50 win team, you know? So they're still kind of somewhere figuring, navigating that gray area. I want to get to Cat's foul trouble in a minute, but just sticking with the Phoenix game. When you get, when this team faces polished big men like DeAndre Ayton, it, they just eat this team alive. They just, you know, these these big men who are athletic, skillful scorers, um, and you know, Joel Embiid's obviously awesome. But as another fairly recent example, you know, they gave Aiden, I think, thirty two points in this game. And these, this is this is one of the things that this team has struggled with, not only historically but also this year. No, totally. I mean, yeah, Aiton had thirty five points. He had seven offensive rebounds. It, it's very much a, a, a problem with this team of figuring out. How to? It, it's not just the big. It's figuring out how to navigate the pick and roll, right? So you're going up against Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton in the pick and roll in that Phoenix game, and you know Ayton's doing work. And it was the game before that, they're going with uh, Luka Doncic and Dwight Powell, and Dwight Powell made every he was eight for eight from the field, had 22 points. So they are struggling. They're struggling to defend the big, but it's really, I would say, it's a broader pick and roll coverage problem that they're hitting right now, where they're just. They're not executing there, and that's going to lead to the center oftentimes having a dominant night. Yeah, and we saw it here. One last thing for me on that on that game, Dane. We're talking to Dane Moore. You can follow him on Twitter, at Dane Moore NBA. Jalen Noel was red hot in that game, and especially early. He only had 12 minutes in the game. And I thought that that was that was unusual that, you know, he you know he's always been something of a streaky guy, and he was, you know, he was playing so well early and then the minute the minutes ended up diminishing, and I I was surprised that they didn't end up going back to him more. Yeah, it's I, I love Jalen's game. Um, I mm. think he's a I think he's a player who he kind of we were talking before about some of the lower quality teams that the Wolves have played. They had that four game winning streak against the Thunder and the Blazers, and I remember watching those games being like, all right, if you put Jalen Noel on these teams, he'd be scoring twenty five games. Yeah, like he mm. has he has at least six-man microwave score potential, if not legitimate 20-point-per-game potential. But the reason you see his minute total as low as it is is they need they feel they need more defense out of that position and out of Noel himself. So he's he has the, he has a scoring down pat. It's just I've gotten that question a lot of times, and that, that I've asked you know Chris Finch about it, and they're just he's. Jalen still needs to grow as a defender, but you're totally right. The offensive package is, is full there. I think he could be a 20-a-night guy in the league. All right, so let's talk about Cat's foul trouble because this is a reoccurring theme. <laughs> um, and, you know, I, on one hand, I think one of the key things that's differentiated him as a scorer this year is that he has attacked the hoop more aggressively than he has in the past, and I love that. But the foul trouble is, you know, it's just – it's not just isolated incidents. It's happening way too much, and he's got to be on the court. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it's it's so funny to, you know, nitpick somebody who's having an all-NBA season. I mean, Cat's mm-hmm. been a, a top-15 player in the league this year. He's, he's dominant. But, you know, this is kind of – we've kind of conditioned ourselves to do this with Cat. We acknowledge it. He's very good. He's very good but you want the Wolves to have five more, ten more wins than they do. So, so you nitpick with him, and I'm, I'm with that. I, I, don't think it's, I don't think it's being negative. I think it's saying, okay, your team's already pretty good right now, and you're consistently missing your best player in critical moments while yeah. he's in foul trouble. So, 
is it holding them back the foul trouble? I don't know. I mean, maybe that that aggression is what gets them there. But I think if you take out the foul trouble, that's how this team can go to another level. And quite frankly, when we're talking about a seven-game playoff series coming up here, I mean, you got no shot at casting foul trouble for your four of those games. So it's it's absolutely something worth monitoring. It's something that's going to tilt the balance of these games down the stretch and certainly come the playoff time. So I don't, I don't really know what to say about it anymore. It's it's, it's yeah. a between-the-ears thing, you know? So, like, he, he's playing hard. I give him respect there. It's, it's just navigating that balance of playing hard while also playing with your body in control. You can read Dane Moore at Bring Me the News. You can hear Dane Moore in the Dane Moore NBA podcast as well. You can follow Dane Moore, Dane Moore at Dane Moore NBA. Hey, Dane, transitioning from that stretch of playing the Blazers, playing OKC, and now we saw him against Dallas. We're going to see him again tonight in Phoenix on Wednesday, as we've already chronicled a bit. Is there something you have noticed in terms of whether it was how Dallas was defending Cat on Monday and then not getting to the line enough against the Suns on Wednesday. When Cat's absolutely at his best, we're seeing eight, nine, double-digit free-throw attempts. Mm-hmm. And speaking to the aggression that Charch mentioned, but on nights like the last two, uh, ultimately resulting in losses, we're not getting those opportunities. Anything you're seeing in terms of how people are defending Cat down the stretch here? Yeah, I mean, it's, been, it's kind of been a fascinating story. So it, it started off the season where your teams just started guarding Cat with a small like the small forward guard cat. And then they put like the center on Vanderbilt and Vanderbilt would come over or Vanderbilt's man would come over and double cat. So there's this whole problem at the beginning of the year of, okay, cat getting doubled in the post every time he's got to be a passer. And now what we've seen this week is teams are like, okay, cat's driving every time. So we're going to load up and double him on the perimeter, which is really audacious defensively if you think about it from from the other team but it also shows you how committed every team the wolves are playing right now at taking away carl's driving game they're totally saying let somebody else beat us make him make him pass it to the the angel mm-hmm. make him pass it to Ant. make him press the prince they're just basically loading up on cap by taking vanderbilt's man at double teaming cat every single time and as dominant of an offensive rebounder as vanderbilt is that's not somebody Cat can skip it to in the corner and have him be knocking down threes at a consistent rate. So you're just seeing Cat getting loaded up on, honestly, at a level that is sometimes beyond even the coverage that Jokic receives or Embiid receives. Teams feel like they can load up on Cat and go all out to just say, all right, anybody else beat us. We're going to take away Cat. Let's turn our attention to tonight's game. It's against Dallas. The last game was a huge game. This one's also a huge game. Tons of playoff positioning on the line here. First, is Luca playing? Do we know? I, I'm at the facility right now. We'll find out here. We'll potentially find out here once, once Jason, Jason Kidd talks about that. I mean, I'm assuming he's going to go. It was just a sore ankle mm-hmm. rest day, it seemed, on Wednesday. So I'm anticipating Luca, but also, like we were talking about before, it seems like they magically, a lot of the times when these good teams get to town, it's like, all right, Brooklyn's here, last second KD's out. Milwaukee's here, last yeah. second Giannis is out. So, I don't know, maybe they can, maybe they can keep the, the streak going there. But uh, I'm expecting Luka, it's a big game for them. Mm-hmm. The Mavs are also jockeying for position here in the standings. And honestly, Charge, like, I, I, feel, 
I know everybody's we're looking at the standings and you want to get that six seed, you want to get out yeah. of the play-in thing there. But but I also think it's just important. I mean, eight games left, like they kind of got to get back right. And whether it is even if you do need to be playing in the play-in, you want to be going into the playoffs right on a on a higher note, winning. Like this has been two losses in a row. So I think just purely from the idea of like staying balanced and not letting a losing streak extend, it's a huge game tonight. Hey, have you heard anything in terms of Jaden McDaniels and just kind of that innocuous, uh, he stepped on a foot and now he's been out a, a, what is it, a week or two now in terms of speaking of yeah. getting right for the postseason and playing playoff games like Jaden McDaniels status? High ankle sprain, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the initial injury report came out that he's going to be reassessed in two weeks, which was about a week ago. Um, that's very much a reassessment. It's not a it's not a he's back in two weeks. The hope is that at that two week mark, a week from now, we we're saying, okay, maybe one or two more weeks and Jaden's back for the playoffs. I think that's kind of if you're a Wolves fan, you're hoping that McDaniels is able to come back come the middle of April when the playoffs are actually starting. But they're they missed him. They, they, they've missed him in these, uh, in these games against Luca a couple times, against Devin Booker, like having that big body to, to be able to guard these big wings for the other teams. Uh, McDaniels has definitely missed, but I do think it's trending towards him being able to be back for the playoffs. Uh, let's go back to the, uh, the Dallas game tonight. Some of the, what do you, what do you view as the, the keys here for, for the Wolves? They, I thought when they, when they faced Dallas on Monday, they had a pretty good job on Luca. He held him to fifteen points. He was uh, he had a he was a minus seven in the plus minus. He was a you know by his standards it was a pretty down game and they held him in check. What do you think are the 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 keys for the the Timberwolves tonight? See, I actually think Luca totally dictated that game. <laughs> I mean, I know okay. I, I I know that the the stat sheet says that, but it was really you point to the plus minus thing there. I, I felt like that was more. Luca and Cat were off the floor at the same time in that game, mm-hmm. and the Wolves got outscored by 13, I think it was, in the 12 minutes that Cat was off the floor. So I felt like that was more a product of the Mavs making a comeback when Cat was off, rather than it being an indication of Luca being, you know, an actual negative in that game. I yeah. mean, he's just, as we were talking about before, like pick and roll coverage with this team. That's their, I think, that's their biggest weakness, and Luca just has has that big body to get the high screen, take apart the middle of the floor, get all the way to the rim if he needs to. I mean, I, like I said, I thought he was dictating, and maybe it wasn't racking up to a ton of points, but mm-hmm. he was he was finding guys in the corner off of the pick and roll, or he was finding maybe the hockey assists that don't show up don't show up in the stat sheet at all. Like, well, his, his did. He had, he had 10 even, assists. Yeah, so he, they actually did show up in the box score. Yeah, exactly. So... I would, I mean, that's what I'm kind of expecting. I think Luca's going to dictate every game, right? But this, now this game, maybe he's dictating the offense, but also able to put in 30 points. So I just think Luca's one of those guys that comes to town and you're like, he's not going to have a bad game. He's going he's gonna to control the narrative of the game just sheerly by, by his presence. I thought he actually did that in the Wednesday game. I didn't really like the coverages they were putting on Luca in that. And, they switched it up in the, the third and fourth quarter, and that's actually when the Wolves made a really strong comeback in mm-hmm. that, that Dallas game on Monday. So, yeah, Luka's always the key in, in finding a coverage to be able to slow him down. You're never going to stop him. 
And Dane, I just I feel like this team needs to get wins against playoff teams under their belt before the playoffs. And you know, just the way sure. the schedules worked out, they haven't faced that many, and uh, many of the teams that they have, they they they've either lost to or haven't played at full strength. I think this would be, assuming Luca plays, this would be the kind of win that you can roll into the playoffs and say we belong in the playoffs because we can beat a team like uh, Dallas at total. full strength. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, you got these two these two losses this week to Dallas and Phoenix, and I, so I feel like. You're feeling the sting a little bit of it falling apart. But if you're able to, you know, beat Dallas tonight, a good team, if you're able to go to Boston on Sunday and, and beat that team, I mean, I think these last two losses are, are forgiven. And, and it's something that this team needs to do. You know, this is the time. It's go time. There's eight games left in the season. Like, you already got your easy part of the schedule. I mean, Cat thought Cat put it really well after the last game. He goes, do we want to rest at the end of the season or do we not want to rest at the end of the season? Yeah. Missing the play-in. Like, if we want to rest now, or if we want to rest at the end of the season, we got to do the work now. So, this is, this is the schedule. And I think this Wolves team believes that it has enough talent. And I would agree with this. It has enough talent to compete with any team. You saw that in the, like, played Phoenix three times this year. Phoenix is the best team in the NBA. The Wolves at least were able to play at their level all three times. Yeah. They did that. It's, it's, it's about them showing, like, not just believing, that they got the talent to match up, but can you execute with that? Can you execute and actually beat Luka Doncic? Can you go and can you beat the Boston Celtics on Sunday? Like you say, you're a playoff team. You believe you're the sixth seed. You believe you're one of the best teams in the Western Conference. Well, then win. You know that that's that's what's got to happen. Dane Moore, you can follow him on Twitter at Dane Moore NBA. Uh, you can read Dane Moore at Bring Me the News, and you can listen to the Dane Moore NBA podcast. Uh, it was fun chatting for the first time. Let's uh, be sure to do it again, Dane. Of course, we got we got the playoffs coming up. Let's Absolutely, plenty to talk about. This team will, one way or another, this team's gonna be in the playoffs. We'll uh, we'll talk down the line. Thanks, Dane. All right, Trish. Later, man. Nordo. Hi. Let's turn our attention to some football when we come back, including a massive day yesterday. Yeah. Surprise trade, Tyreek Hill. Talk about uh, the shifting landscape of the NFL. On the fan. And programming on the fan brought to you in part by our friends at Quick Trip. Money time in the NFL. For wide receivers. For wide receivers, it is. It's not that wide receivers have been necessarily underpaid, but the money being doled out over the past week. The market. Adams, yeah. who was the highest paid wide receiver for about five days. <laughs> now Tyreek Hill. And for Tyreek Hill, with his uh with his new deal in Miami, now the new highest paid wide receiver. It throws in the face, I think, in our face, a lot of the things that we want to believe about players, that they want to play on a winning team, that a wide receiver would want to play with the most talented quarterback to ever play the position. Yeah. Not the most accomplished, that's Brady. The most talented player to ever play the the position is Patrick Mahomes. And Tyreek Hill willingly left all that behind to get paid. 
the uh, the the interesting thing, and Devontae is a great example of that as well. And just thinking about it now, in each case, you can draw personal parallels to their new destinations. Tyreek Hill, family in the Miami area, uh, lives down there for portions of the year, all of that. Similarly, with Devontae Adams going to Las Vegas, uh, he played at Fresno State with Derek Carr. I think he grew up in the Bay Area, mm-hmm. was a massive Raiders fan, lives in Las Vegas or has a house there. So you can draw those sorts of parallels. But it is like as I get older, and it doesn't make me love the game any less. As, as a matter of fact, I can appreciate it. I understand it. But it is if 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 you're like me and you're also just a rube and you want your favorite team to win, it it makes you think twice about how you pedestalize or or yeah. look because you want owners of NFL franchises to win as much as you want them to win. Yet we do know that owners have to make business decisions to keep butts in seats and keep those fat uh, TV deal checks coming in just as much as they have to field a roster that's competitive. So you have to have the, you have to understand that part of it. Then on this end, it's like if Devontae Adams truly wants to win a Super Bowl, he has a position in the NFL that many wide receivers who are now working at insurance agencies and are accountants or they work in the radio business, they wish they could be where Devontae Adams is. And they wish they would have the chance to hoist a Lombardi. And if you're if you're looking at it from that lens, you're going, you're leaving Green Bay, favored to win the NFC North. With all of the things that have happened in our conference, uh, you might be second or third again to yeah. potentially represent the NFC in the Super Bowl, you are on one of the few bona fide NFC contenders. You are leaving that. You are leaving that to go to Las Vegas with to walk into a division that is just loaded. No, it's 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 absolute warfare. In that mm-hmm. division, retooled defense in San Diego, very familiar with the Chiefs. Broncos got better in adding Russell Wilson. Defensively, yeah. still very stout if they can continue on mm-hmm. post Vic Fangio. Uh, and then you also left Aaron Rodgers for Derek Carr. And that is a head-scratching moment as well. Well, Derek Carr's not a bad quarterback. He's not bad. He's not bad. Now, it, he's not Aaron Rodgers good, but you can look at the rest of that Raiders roster in totality Right now, it's a better roster than Green Bay has. There are aspects of it, yes. And that, you know, I don't know that that played into it or not, but the pathway to a Super Bowl is clearer in the NFC and it's clearer for the Packers. Correct. You know, this might be the most wobbly, the NFC North might be the wobbliest division in football. And he goes to the best division in football for Devontae well, Adams. The, the NFC East is still weird. And well, the it's N- bad. And the NFC West, depending upon the yeah. quarterback situation Seattle. in San Francisco. Right. We don't know there. Seattle's quarterback right now is Drew Locke. They gave up. They, Se- Seattle said this ain't working. And rightfully so. And in some ways, I think Seattle's doing what a lot of Vikings fans mm-hmm. want the general manager to do here. And as of yet, we have not seen that. But no, I'm glad he didn't. I didn't. I was never on board for the reboot, and I'm glad that Kwesi's come in and said, we're going to try to build and win. We're going to be competitive, and we're going to try to build its roster. It's easy to say you want to start over until you see one 3-14 and 14 season, and then you want the general manager and the coach fired <laughs> for trying to start over with a blank slate. But Tyreek Hill is doing something similar to what Devontae. Uh, he saw the numbers, loved it, even said it in his press conference. He's like, yeah, it was really tough, but you see what they're paying you, and you're 
suddenly are very excited about it, mentioned family in Florida. But now he is leaving a team that's gone to the Super Bowl a couple of times in a row, missed it last year. Uh, this is a team with the most talented quarterback, as you put uh, Patrick Mahomes in that conversation, mm-hmm. to Tua. Tua. You're going from Patrick Mahomes to Tua. And it's not that Tua's bad, but Miami's tried to trade, has tried to acquire Deshaun Watson at the trade deadline last year. Miami's been organizationally uncommitted to Tua. And that tells you plenty. I actually, I actually think though, just looking at how Tua plays, deep ball's not fantastic. There are certainly holes in his game. I think Tyreek Hill is the perfect answer for Tua in terms of a guy, and and Patrick Mahomes benefited from this a ton in Kansas City. You get it to him 10 years or 10 yards down the line and give him any modicum of space. Yeah, and And he's he's the most dangerous receiver in the league. So the mid-range passing game that Tua, I think, can be great at really complements, and and, Tyreek Hill will complement that aspect of the game. Jalen Waddell. It has already shown in a rookie campaign that yeah. he is certainly a force to be reckoned with. That duo, you know, thinking about Mike Gesicki, uh, two is going to have zero excuses, I think, in 2022 in terms of production. They may have even added, they added Teron Armstead. So now they have, well, I guess he's left tackle. He's protecting his front side. Yeah. He's got two his front side handled, uh, but they're doing everything they can to make that thing work down there. Um, I think he's a fantastic fit for Tua. For Kansas City. They knew they weren't going to be able to re-sign Tyreek next year, so they moved him a year early yeah. when they still had leverage and you could get a first-round pick for him. It's a really smart play. It's a part. smart play. And for a team that's really battling cash, you know this frees up $20, $30 million a year with which they can apply to other things, including Marquez Valdez-Scantling with a <laughs> head-scratching a guy who has never caught 40 passes in a season. 40 is nothing. That's K.J. Osborne last year. For a guy who's never caught 40 passes in a year, they gave him three years and $30 million. and That can turn into $36 million with incentives. That's not bad. He's fast. That's all he's got. Yeah. That's all Marquez Valdez-Scanling has got is he's fast. It was good for a 75-yard touchdown against the Vikings last year at U.S. Bank Stadium. He'll do that. That was he'll, a pain he'll, in the he ass. will burn you deep. No, the Christian. But they already had speed in um in uh, Mikel Hart, uh, Mikel Hardman. Mikel Hardman. So they kind of had a speed receiver already. They don't have Sammy Watkins anymore. No, thank God. Uh, and they, they, Byron Pringle left. They lost Pringle. Yeah, Deion Robinson left as well. So they needed to they needed to fill receiver, and they will in the draft. This is a very deep receiver draft. Yep. Some estimate six or seven wide receivers will go in the first round. Kansas City's now got two picks. In the first round. Well, this is, but this is at a crossroads. So you, you know, and you can, I know how you like to bring everything back to Kirk Cousins, but it would be a conversation of, you know, the amount of money. And I think that the big numbers for Patrick Mahomes, unlike that half billion dollar deal, Mm -hmm. that starts to kick in, right? So now you mentioned it's going to be difficult, if not impossible, to re sign Tyreek Hill. They make the smart play, they're proactive, and now he's in Miami. But the only way to stay great is to be great in the draft. And you gotta hit on those early picks. And so if they're able to find a receiver with the speed that can that could never truly replace, but certainly on the front end replicate some of what Tyreek did really well and take some of the heat off of Travis, uh that's uh they can they they don't 
I don't think it's it's not quite the the loss or the immediate drop off that maybe some Chiefs fans are fearing. Kansas City has picked twenty nine and picked thirty in the draft, and so that's you know one of those two. Well, I I believe will almost certainly be a wide receiver, and if you hit on that to replace Tyreek Hill. And there's no replacing Tyree Kill's unique skill set because he's a total freak, and there's really nobody in the NFL that's exactly like Tyree Kill. Still, you can get a very good receiver in the first round of a deep receiver draft, and now you've got a receiver on a rookie deal that can re- that can be maybe eighty percent of Tyree Kill, and that's probably a net win for the Chiefs. Yeah, I'd agree so with that. It was a it was a good tactical, ballsy decision by the Chiefs. They they pulled the trigger at the right time. It's going to hurt in the short term, but long term, they're going to be better off without Tyree Kill, knowing that they couldn't have retained him next year anyway. Your guy, Christian Kirk, screwed it up for everybody. A little bit. And, and now Stefan Diggs is is pissed off. Best yeah. of luck to the Bills for trying to figure out that whole thing. Um, $18 million a year to go to the Jags. That's Trevor Lawrence, and he's fine. No, he's not. But Trevor he's never- Lawrence was Awful last year. Well, awful team. Sure, and Urban Meyer was maybe the most dreadful one-year coach in the history of the NFL. I mean, he's he's in this conversation. But Have you read out on any of those like things that he was doing while he was coaching? Oh, unbelievable! Like Tim Tebow belittling players yeah, and yeah. coaches, talking behind their back. Didn't know who Aaron Donald was. He kind of sounds like a loser. I understand that he is was a college coach who had to go to the NFL. But they're paying you fifty million dollars to get up to speed on the NFL. I, I, I mean, how do you not know the rate, the the three time defensive player of the year? It's absurd. A, it's almost like a guy that took the job but didn't want to be there. I no, mean, I if, think if, that's right. I if, think he just wanted the money. If you get that, but I mean, think about just the public embarrassment overall. I mean, and maybe at this level, you can deal with mean tweets and things. I suppose, but. The idea of taking money and actually in some ways almost self-sabotaging, self-destructing. What else, what other kind of stupid antics can I can I uh, engage in before Shad Khan finally says, this is enough, you just have to leave, and we're going to write you a massive check to get out of this thing. Uh, disastrous. But Christian Kirk ruined it for everybody else. $18 million a year. Never had double-digit touchdowns. He no, was just, just fine a guy. With Tyler. He was just a guy. Just a guy. Yeah, Jags had the money, so they spent it. And it, it, it unfortunately tilted the, uh, the field quite a bit. Man. When we come back, the Vikings may have their own wide, big wide receiver decision coming up before long with Justin Jefferson. We'll talk that through in our final segment. Man. Yeah, one more time today, thanks in part 9 to noon and KFAN programming, our friends at Quick Trip, and of course, uh, Cars for Kids as well. Hi, Charge. Hi, Nordo. Getting some pushback via the Bradshaw and Bryant inbox at my suggestion, the audacity to suggest that the Raiders roster is in better shape than the Packers roster. But I think it is. You add in Chandler Jones. You add in... Well, they re-signed Max Crosby. They got Max Crosby back. The new starting cornerback in Anthony Averett. I understand a lot of people don't necessarily know him. Um... Key, you know, a handful of 
other guys that, you know, can fill in spots like Jacob Hollister at backup tight end. Demarcus Robinson will be a depth receiver. And then you add in the losses the Packers have. And I, I just think just roster versus roster. I'm 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 split on that too though because they they kept the least of the two Smiths and Preston. They did figure out they still have Adrian Amos and Savage on the back end. Uh, Eric Stokes looks like he'll be formidable. Yeah, but Jair Alexander is going to be very good. Correct. So yep. I mean, offensive I start, line remains good. I start putting those things together, and 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 so I, I would I would say that the Packers still have the better roster, and I do think that the. The difference between Carr and Rodgers is significant. Uh, his offensive weapons, his options are they, at the moment better. They, they look hideous in Green Bay. They do. So you so definitely at this moment in time. I mean, Darren Waller and Devontae Adams. Yes. Oh my well, God. And Hunter Renfro was really good last year. Thousand yard slot guy. Yes. I mean, I just, if you ask me, just right now before the draft and free agency's not over, which team will score more points? I think the Raiders will outscore the Packers as it stands right now. I'd take the Raiders to or the Packers to win three of four games. If they played each other four times in a season, mm-hmm. I know this is hypothetical. I, I'm taking Packers seventy five percent winners. It'll be close. And I just think that's that's the difference of number twelve. And he'll make Robert Tunyon off the ACL look better than he is, just like he's made so many receivers look better than they are. And that'll be a story too. What about Devontae without Derek Carr? And what about Tyreek Hill without Patrick Mahomes? Yeah, well, you know, I just think Derek Carr is a good quarterback. So I think Devontae Adams would be fine. I like Derek Carr a lot. Yeah, I, I do. Better um, than people realize. What about Justin Jefferson's contract? Yeah, you know, Viking <laughs> fans, I know extension? you're not. I, I'm not trying to cause worry a, a year in advance, but at this time next year, the Vikings are going to be in the grinder on a new deal for Justin Jefferson. Yeah. And it, he may have to be the highest paid wide receiver at that time. And we talked about this when Kirk was originally signed. When it's it's when you be when you hit free agency as a very good player, you oftentimes get paid as the best player because you have leverage at that particular moment. It doesn't mean you are the best player. Justin Jefferson is not the best wide receiver in the league. But he's inside the top ten. Yeah. And if as he restructure his as he tries to get a new deal, as he's going to be heading into next year, what will be his fourth year, um, I don't think he'll play on his rookie contract in his fourth year. I think the Vikings will have to give him a new deal. I think Rob Brzezinski's already planning on that for his long term the long term salary cap planning that Rob undoubtedly does. One of the best reasons to keep Kirk Cousins was that you help keep Justin Jefferson. Because if you roll the dice on a rookie quarterback, which many of our listeners wanted to do, and it's a defensible position, but if the Vikings were without, right now, if the Vikings were without a solution at quarterback, we're going to just hit the draft and hope we roll the dice and get the right guy. If he's not good, you're not keeping Justin Jefferson. Yeah. I'm also curious... And this is, I don't want to say it's doom and gloom, but whether it was what the Rams were able to do to acquire Matthew Stafford and now some of these larger trades, Russell Wilson this offseason going to Denver, uh, you can make the parallels between the NBA and the NFL where teams are clearly in a big way and quickly getting comfortable 
if somebody doesn't want to be here, we're going to go get equity for them right now and get them paid somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And kind of the idea, because again, going back to do owners really want to win? Does a certain player like a Devontae Adams, does he want to win a Super Bowl as much as we want him to wear a Super Bowl or win a Super Bowl with our colors on? Yeah. Um, there's an aspect of this where the idea that when they're drafted, the Chad Greenways of the world, all I ever wanted to do was retire a Viking. Does Jeff, does Justin Jefferson feel that way? And does he have to? Or are we going to root for him while he's here? But if we were to get rid of Kirk and suddenly Kellen Mond's, you know, throwing dirt passes to him, uh, you know, four times a game and his stats dwindle, therefore his market value is impacted. Right. Then he's out of here. He's gone. He's gone. And you have to be okay with that. Uh, or at least I'm not okay with losing or, Justin. No, Jefferson. no, no. I mean, at least mentally prepare. That's probably the better way. You, you don't want to be okay with it. We love JJ. We want him here forever. But uh, but you will have to figure that out. You're not going to be able to sit there if he has another 1500 yard season and double digit touchdowns this year. You can't say, well, it's cool. We we got you under contract with your rookie deal, mm-hmm. two and a half million dollars. Yeah. Oh, by the way, we're going to get that fifth year option. Uh, so we're going to hit you with that in 2024. <laughs> And then, you know, by the time you're 26, 27-ish, we'll talk about a fat extension. I don't think he's going to do that. No. And so we're going to have to be ready for that. Jefferson is one of the 10 best long-term prospects in the league. I agree with that. And I, Any position, he's one of the 10 best. And it's amazing because a year into it, I'd actually say his ex-teammate now with the Bengals might actually have trumped him after yeah. what we yeah, saw. That is probably true. Uh, down in Cincinnati. But it's, but it's a smaller sample size. Jefferson's sure. had two fantastic seasons, which he's been healthy, highly productive, gets amazing separation from defenders, and Kirk's been able to feed him big, big numbers. Does Jefferson not have the most yards of any receiver in his first two years? Well, he set the, he set the NFL record. Yeah. Yeah. So History of the game. So, you so know. Justin Jefferson's going to make, uh, he's 3.5 against the cap this year. Yeah. That, yeah. It won't be the case next year. Well, and so that's at the expense of probably an Adam Thielen in the next couple of years, unless he's willing to take a massive pay cut. I mean, you know, we'll see what the restructure looks like, but you're supposed to jump up to 12 million a year this season. There's a, there's, there are people out there, that, and I'm kind of listening to this. The Vikings have such Desperate need at cornerback that most people assume that the first overall pick the Vikings have in the draft will be a cornerback. And maybe two of the top three will be a cornerback. Trent the McDuffie. Trent McDuffie is the, is, the, is the name that I'm on right now. I want an O-lineman, though, too. Could go wide receiver. You could just say, you know what? We're gonna we're gonna figure out this cornerback thing. We're gonna our edge rushers, our edge rushers are gonna be so are gonna be so good that we're gonna we're gonna get by with at cornerback. And we're just going to score 40 points a game. And we're going to draft in a deep wide receiver class. We're going to draft a great wide receiver right now. Best player available. Wide receiver. And then as Adam Thielen heads into the last quartile of his career, we're going to have another receiver coming to put opposite Justin Jefferson. Oh, my God. Just keep that. It's a defensible position. Keep that pool cycling. It's a defensible position. Well, you know, and if, if we didn't have Kirk Cousins and we had Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen, maybe, I mean, we're good with this guy, right? Mannion's back in, passes over the middle, incomplete. <laughs> Sean Mannion's back. As you hear oh, in the boy. background, Lee Valsvik currently trying that's, to find, find her, her phone. phone right now. I'm like, what? <laughs> my phone's off. Why does Lee's phone have, why does she have the volume on her phone? No, that's the find my iPhone Oh, bit. is that that chime? That's the beacon. That's the beacon. 
And you know, she'll figure it out sooner or later right now. But, you know, it, I see her. I can see her in the she's walking the hallways right, right now. Let me fix you. Should, you should go find Lee. We know all we need to know about about Kellen Mond. Hi, we found your phone, phone right it, on the floor. You're stepping on it right now. <laughs> Hi, Lee. <laughs> it is amazing. Um we know everything we know about Kellen Mond. If yeah. you had any doubt left, the fact that this team brought back Sean Mannion to be the primary backup tells you everything you need to know about what this team knows about Kellen Mond. It does. That was a lost draft pick. Could have took Davis Mills and went one pick later. They screwed that up. Davis Mills looks like an NFL starting quarterback. He might not be the best quarterback in the world. But Davis Davis Mills is in belongs in the NFL. He can play and at right, that level. Right yeah. now, every data every data point we have, and it's all circumstantial evidence because we've seen so little of Kellen Mond. But all of these circumstantial evidence suggests Kellen Mond does not belong in the NFL. Well, thankfully, at least for a year, we got Kirk throwing it to JJ. We do uh, program passwords today. Who's playing? Who do we have? I think Oak's playing, and who else is playing? A couple FM guys, uh, Brian Oak and Muss. Oh, Oak and Muss. This oh, will be Oak will try to go two for two on games played today because he won Turbo Tracks Did earlier he? today. Yeah, that'll be a, that'll be a challenge if you can pull off both in one. Uh, Nordo, thanks for all your help today. Thank you, uh, Dane Moore, Chad Greenway, Lee Volsvik, Brian Oak. Thank you for participating in the show. If you miss any part of it, check out the podcast kfan.com fan on demand. Talk to you in one week, everybody. Podcast today's Paul Allen Show. Or listen back to previous show and interviews by going to the iHeartRadio app or KF.